Father, I want to thank you first and foremost that you are a good God. God, we are so in awe of how good you are to us. Father, I want to thank you that you love us so perfectly, even though we're so imperfect. God, I pray that even as the message is delivered today, Lord, God, I pray that you speak through me, Lord. For anyone who came in today with a hard heart, God, I pray that you soften their hearts, Father. I pray that the message that's received today, Father, isn't just for us, Father, but it overflows to those around us. Thank you, Jesus, that you've gone before us. We pray this in your precious name. All of God's precious children said, Amen. Awesome church. You guys can grab your seats. Grab your seats. I'm going to try something new tonight. You guys can turn to the person next to you. Listen up, listen up. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, I like your hair. Tell them you've got the best hair here. And if they don't have hair, just lay your hands on it and just be like, amen, in Jesus' name. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. If you just met an enemy tonight, I suggest you get up and move, find another seat. (laughs) But we are in a series um, just speaking into wisdom. And tonight, I'm going to be speaking about contentment and generosity. And I remember the first time I really heard the word contentment. A few friends of mine, we were just sitting in a circle and we were just like celebrating each other, you know, just giving each other feedback, celebrating each other. And it was actually Kayla. Kayla was there and we asked, okay, cool. So what's the best compliment you've ever received? And Kayla said, "Um, when Saki told me that I am content and that got me, I was like, huh, I wonder what that is. (laughs) So, you know, I, I went with the, I went with the flow. I was like, yeah, totally cool. And then later on, I Googled it. And the Google definition of contentment, it says, contentment means to be satisfied or pleased. It means to be satisfied or pleased. I was like, cheapest. That's actually something quite cool to to carry. And I just wonder if some of us are trying to live our lives in hopes to find this, this thing that can satisfy us or please us. If there's maybe an empty space in our hearts where we are constantly trying to do things or be with people or say things to sort of fill the space in our hearts. And really there's, there's four kinds of people that I think fill, try and fill the space in their hearts. Can I go through them? Cool. The first one is the young and naive strategy. It's the, I'm getting ready to be happy. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to study now. I'm going to do what I need to do now. And then once this is all done, I'm going to be happy at the end of it. So I'm young, you know, and I believe if I do everything right now, I'm going to be happy in the future. So that's our first one. And then our second approach might be, it's the blaming approach. So we can tell that there's this, there's a space in our heart that needs to be filled. And we just, we just blame people for that space not being filled. And it's an angry approach because we start looking at our past and we start blaming maybe a mom, a dad, a family or circumstance or an upbringing. And it's a really angry approach. And then the third one is a driven approach. You assume it's somewhere out there. And so you get rid of things and you bring in things and you get rid of things and you bring in things to try and fill the space. And actually with this one, um, I remember when I was in high school, I had a friend of mine who... 
every time without fail in English and bio class, she would say to me, Sibelo, once we're done with high school, I am leaving and I'm going to Germany. I said, okay, cool, awesome. We finished high school and she was still in South Africa. And then she, she did a degree and she finished that and I ran, I ran into her at Bearside and she said to me, guess what? I said, what? She said, I'm leaving for Germany this coming Tuesday. I was like, whoa, that's so exciting. And so without fail, that Tuesday, I see on her Instagram story, she's, as you know, when people travel, they normally do that. Passport, airport, you know, outside the airplane window there. And she's taking pictures and she, you can see she's in Germany and I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. First few days, I see, on a, I see on a story. It's like, you know, taking pictures of all the different sites and everything. And for, for about two weeks, two weeks later, I see her status again. And I see pictures of Table Mountain. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I think she might be missing home, right? I'm like, cool, cool. Three days later, again, pictures of like Eden on the Bay with a few friends. And I'm like, isn't this person in Germany? So I'm like, I can't, let me choose to ignore it. And then it happens again. And I'm like, I definitely can't ignore it now. So, so I message her and I'm like, hey, how's Germany going? She's like, no, I'm actually back in South Africa. So I'm like, what happened? She's like, it was just horrible. She said the people I was living with were horrible. She said the weather was horrible. She said the workplace was horrible. If there's any Germans, I'm sorry. That I'm, not, I'm not trying to. I heard it's a beautiful place. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, it's terrible. Not my words, not my words. But she is an example of a driven strategy where you're trying to go to another place, find another um, country to live in, or do another job or find something else, trying to fill the space in your heart. And then the last one, despair. You blame yourself for everything. You blame yourself. You're just like, you know what? I, I can't, I can't, I just, I'm just horrible. I can't fill the space. It's me. And you just constantly blame yourself for everything. You know, when you, there's actually only one person who can fill that space. There's only one name that can fill that space, and that is the name of Jesus. You know, when you and I get into a relationship with Jesus, we actually position ourselves to live a life that is content. We actually, you know, when you understand who Jesus is, you're content. And I remember even when I was in high school, there was, before I knew the Lord, I, I, I strived for all these things. I was like, you know, if I do well in sports and I play at this level in hockey, this space is going to be full. Got to that level, it was never full. And then I was like, cool, what if I, you know, got involved with a few other things here, maybe at school, maybe get into a few leadership roles, maybe that space will be full. That space was never full. I remember that space was filled for the first time when I walked through those doors and I got into God's presence during worship and I sat right back there where uh, uh, I think you were sitting and I got into the presence of God and for the first time, I felt that space being when you understand who Jesus is, you can live a life that is content. Philippians 4 verse 12 to 13, it says this, <clears throat> I know what it is to be in need. And I, this is Paul speaking, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether while fed or 
or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do all things through Him, Christ, who gives me strength. This is such a popular scripture. You see it everywhere. Any Christian soccer team or sports club, you'll see it. You'll see it over there. I heard Liverpool like actually banned that. It's a Man United thing now. I don't know. <laughs> but it's a popular scripture. It's a, popu- it's a scripture that you could recite to yourself just before you, you know, get into an exam that you didn't study for. Like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Or it's a scripture that you can use when you're about to enter in a stressful meeting. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a really popular scripture, but tonight, can we just look at it at, in a bit more context? Can we do that? So if you study the scripture and you study this, this passage, Paul is actually writing this from prison. So he's writing this from prison and it's actually, he, he, he's sending, he's, he's writing this letter after um, the church had sent him some gifts in prison just to sort of like, you know, keep him going and keep him. But he's actually saying, hey, I appreciate the gifts but I don't need it because I'm content in Jesus. I'm content in the one who strengthens me. Paul is content. He is rich in Christ who strengthens him. And we learn that, cheapest. (laughs) Why do I want to say commitment? Contentment isn't about circumstances. It's found in Christ and it's found in Christ alone. That's the secret to contentment. So when Paul says, I have learned the secret of contentment in any and every situation. He's actually talking about Jesus. Jesus is the secret to living a life that is content. So I've got a few points for us this evening. And the first point, if you're taking notes, is content people stop comparing themselves to others. Content people stop comparing themselves to others. Discontent, content. Discontentment has risen over the past few years. And we, can, we know this because there's been a rise in social media, right? There's been a rise in social media. That means there's been a rise in comparisons. And we're in this world now where maybe when you were, you were in school or even now some guys in school, you might measure popularity on, oh, who knows the mo- who, who's known the most here in school? But actually now it's actually, it's on social media. Who follows you the most in social media? If you've got 50 followers, not that it's a dig at anyone, but it's like, oh, do you know? But if you've got like 100 followers, you've got 1,000 followers, oh, this, this person is more popular. So people start measuring themselves based on how many followers they have, right? They start measuring themselves based on the lifestyle in which is presented by others and the lifestyle that they presenting themselves to the world. And we see that this has become the measuring stick of the world on how popular am I and what kind of lifestyle and am I living? The more you compare, the less you're actually satisfied. The more you compare, the less you are content. And we might even compare ourselves in our families. We might compare ourselves in our family and we could look at a brother, a sister, aunt, a cousin, whoever it is, and we might think, cheapest that person is so far ahead. Why can't I, why am I not there in my life yet? Or cheapest, the, the, my sister or my brother, they've already started starting a family. Why can't I be at that level yet? 
right? We can start comparing ourselves in our workplaces. Where we're like, cheapest, this guy is like, well, this girl, they're so far ahead. They're doing so much. How, why am I not able to work at the same rate? Or why am I not seen the same way? And we can start to compare ourselves in that way. We can start comparing ourselves in the way that we serve. We can look at how other people are serving and think, wow, why am I not at that level? And we can actually start asking ourselves the questions, why would God choose someone like me to do this? God, I feel so e equipped. How, how did you choose me? Why did you choose me to do this? If God wants something done, surely he can find someone better. If God wants some, something done in my family, surely he can find someone better. If God, someone, if God wants something done in our schools, surely he can find someone better and we can start living in this space of insecurity and comparison. And really, I think that place leads to a space of shame and a little bit of guilt as well, where we could even say to ourselves, after everything I've done, God, why would you still use me? And I think we've all been in that season. We've all been in seasons of insecurity. We've all been in seasons of comparison. But there's a scripture in Ephesians 2.10 that always encourages me. And it says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So actually, whenever you find yourself in that space, you just need to remind yourself that, that you are God's masterpiece, that he puts you in this time, in this place, in this country, in this city, in that workplace, in that school for a reason. And you can be content and live in, the, and live in a space of contentment because you understand that God doesn't make mistakes. And he had this plan long before you were even born. God created you with the purpose for a purpose. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12, it says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. They are not wise. There is no wisdom in comparison. There is no wisdom in comparison. Like, it's like, let's say someone gets a new car and you just look at that car and you think, cheapest, I really want that car. Like, I so badly want that car. And you start comparing yourself and you're like, I've got this car over here, but that car looks so much better, right? And you start comparing yourself and you start, and, and eventually you maybe even get that car that they have, <laughs> but then now you have to pay the price that they're paying. <laughs> See, that's the price of comparison though. Whenever we compare each other, we have to be willing to pay the price. We have to be willing to pay the price. So actually maybe we need to stop comparing and actually start enjoying the things that we've been blessed with. Enjoy what God has given you. Enjoy the gifts that God has given you. He's given them to you for a reason. Enjoy the job that God has given you. He's given it to you for a reason. Enjoy the talents that God has given you. He's given them to you for a reason. Stop comparing and actually start celebrating. So actually, when someone gets a new car, we don't say, cheapest, look at that car. I want that car. No, no, it's like, thank you, Jesus, they got that car. How amazing is that? And suddenly, you're, you, you start to become a lot more content. Oh, they got that new house. I'm still living like my one-bedroom apartment. No, thank you, Jesus, they got that flat. They got that house. 
and we start celebrating people. If you want to live a content life, celebrate people. Don't compare yourself to them. Celebrate others. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 19 says, and it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and, a, and the good wealth to, and good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This indeed a gift from God. Ecclesiastes um, 6 verse 9 says, Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless. Like, it's like chasing the wind. You can't enjoy what God has given you when your heart envies what's not yours. I love what Rick Warren says. He says, learn to admire without having to acquire. Learn to admire what other people have, but you don't need to acquire. So what do we know? First thing is that for us to live a content life, we need to stop comparing ourselves to others. The second thing is content people are generous people. Content people are generous people. And there is, in, in, in the East, there is a tree called the Chinese bamboo tree. Now, if you take the seed of the Chinese bamboo, bamboo tree and you plant it, and it takes five years to grow. For you to actually see the tree, it takes five years. So you can imagine how, how weird that is, hey? You get this guy who's there first day, bro, what are you doing? I'm, you know, I'm growing a tree. Cool, nice, that's going to be great, great. Three months later, same spot, there's nothing there. Bro, what are you doing? I'm watering my tree. Nice. <laughs> okay. A year later, this guy's still there and he's pouring. Bro, what are you doing? I'm looking after my tree, but there's nothing there. Two years later, keep pouring. Bro, what are you doing? I'm looking after my tree, but there's nothing there. By the fourth year, you know, we're getting doctors in. We're like, we're, we're getting this on the news. We're like crazy man growing tree, you know, start making memes about him. And by the fifth year, suddenly this tree pops out and it's just, it's a massive tree. It grows rapidly. And you see, we might, when you and I, give. We might not necessarily see the results instantly like that man, but we have to keep sowing. We have to keep sowing. You and I, we have to continue sowing. When you look at the, when the economy looks like it's crazy, like it's crashing or, you know, just keep sowing. When your friends tell you, bro, how are you still giving? Can you not see where we're going? Just keep sowing. When things are tough and it seems to be getting difficult, just keep sowing. And I'm so encouraged by um, our founding pastors, Pastor Graham and Jenny, because they kept sowing. We get to stand in this auditorium today. We get to enter into God's, into God's presence today. We get to see the next generation coming to the front because of the seeds that they're sowing. And I've got no doubt that they had some people telling them, what are you doing? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But they just kept sowing. And now we're living in the fruits of that. So I want to encourage you, keep sowing because the next generation is going to appreciate that. Just keep sowing. 2 Corinthians 9, it says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. 
and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And even that scripture, um, after youth, a few months ago, I had someone come to me and they're like, why do you give, why do you give lifts to these kids? Like, like, what are you, and all the kids are saying, whoa, cheapest, what are they trying to say? <laughs> but it's like, she's like, why, why do you give lifts to them? Like, it's just, you're wasting, you're, she asked me, so do you, you, do you get that money back? Or does it, I'm like, no, no, it's, it's, from, it's from our own, like, why do you waste money on it? Like, you could be spending time with the team. I'm like, you can't put a price to eternity. Like, you can't put a price to eternity. You can't put a price to a child coming in and experiencing Jesus. Whether that takes a day or whether that takes a couple of months, there's no price you can put to someone's salvation. So I'm just going to keep sowing. Doesn't matter how much it costs, doesn't matter. I'm just going to carry on sowing. Content people understand that things of this world will perish. The car, it will perish one day. Cool, it will go away. You know, everything, the, the small things are going to, it's all going to perish. But we're taking people to heaven. Generous people aren't self-focused. Generous, generous people are others-focused. And I think the misconception that we sometimes have is that generosity is all about money. But actually, we're going to speak about, just quickly, four ways to be generous. We can be generous without time by coming into the house and serving, by helping others. We can be generous with our talent. God didn't give you that gift so that you can be glorified, but He actually gave you that gift so that He can be glorified. Third thing is that we can be generous with our treasure. Fourth thing, we can be generous with our touch. And I'm specifically going to speak about words here. We can be generous with our words. There's power of life and death in the tongue. So you and I, we need to be generous with our words. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. What are the things that you are saying? Words that we speak about ourselves and others matter. Ephesians 4 verse 29 it says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. We have to be generous with our words. And even as we apply these, these ways, God says in Proverbs, Proverbs 11, He says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, who help those, those who help others are helped. Right? So what do we know? We know that... To be content, we shouldn't compare. We know that to be content, we have to be generous. Third thing is that content people don't shift with culture, with culture's changes. Content people don't shift when culture changes. See, when Paul was in prison, some might say culture slightly changed for him. Where it was a different environment. But even in that different environment, Paul was still content. There's a story of that Pastor Chris Hodges tells, and he, just before he got, he got into the ministry, he was working in, in his office, and he, he was just behind his desk, and this, this guy from another religion came into the room, and he was reading his Bible at that time, 
and he looked at Chris Hodges and he saw this Bible and he got so angry. And he's like, what are you reading? Chris Hodges says, I'm reading the Bible. So he comes around the table. He looks at Chris Hodges and he gives, us, he gives him the biggest slap. <laughs> and so Chris Hodges is like, he's sitting there now. He's like, he's holding his cheek and he's looking at this guy. He's like, what the heck, man? <laughs> and so he says, if you really follow that Bible, you're going to turn the other cheek. And so now he's, now he's, in, he's, in, he's in a difficult position. Does he, <laughs> does he, you know, square up, let's do this? Or does he turn the other cheek? So then he decides, you know what? I'm going I'm to be a man of my word. I'm going to follow this word. And he's like, this guy probably won't hit me. He'll probably see that I'm brave and he won't hit me. So he turns the other cheek. And as he turns the other cheek, he hits him again. The funny thing is that at the end of it all, he looks at Chris Hodges and he says, you're a real Christian. (laughs) And it's like, I don't know, that guy probably goes around slapping Christians just to find, I reckon, turn to the person next to you, give them a slap and then ask them, are you a real Christian? (laughs) But the reason I say this the reason I tell the story is that culture will test you. Culture will test you. If you're living a life for Jesus and you're living a content life, culture will test you. It won't just test you, it will actually try to rename you. And in Daniel 1 verse 7, we see these, these, these boys that are, you know, they go, they're invited by the king and their names are changed. And even as their names are changed, they're sort of given this new identity by being renamed. And they're given this new culture and then they get tested. And they, their names are sort of a label on them. It's a label that the king puts over them. But what I want to encourage you with is that when culture shifts, you and I need to know who we are in God. Because culture is always shifting. This world is always changing. What's trendy now won't be trendy five years from now. What was trendy 10 years ago won't be trendy 10 years from now. Culture is constantly shifting. But there is one consistent God who doesn't shift. And you and I need to make sure that our identity is in Him. Because if our identity is in Him, you and I can live a life that is content. When culture shifts, shifts, we need to know who we are. So what do we know? We know that we need to stop comparing ourselves. We understand that content people are generous. We understand that content people don't shift when culture shifts. Can I get the keys? The last thing is content people focus on what lasts forever. Content people focus on what lasts forever. And what lasts forever? There's two things. God and people. God, His Word, His Word is eternal. In Peter 1 verse 24, it says, As the Scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the Word 
of the Lord remains forever. God's Word will remain forever. Content people understand that. That's why content people make it a priority to get into God's Word. Because they're not living for the temporary, they're living for the eternal. The second thing that lost is people. 1 John 4 verse 20 says, If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? We need to love God and we need to love people. So just in the space right now, I don't know which one of these you fall under and which one of these you need to stop doing. You need to start and you need to start doing. I don't know, maybe for you, you need to, you need to be a generous person. And that's okay. You got to admit it to yourself. Like, God, actually, I want to work on my generosity. Or God, I actually want to, I want to love your people. I want to love people the same way that you love them. Or you might be saying, God, I'm struggling with comparison. Like, whenever something happens or someone gets something new, I immediately compare myself. Or whenever I scroll through social media, I immediately start comparing myself. And actually, in this time, I want us to get into a moment of worship. And I want you to lay those thoughts right before Jesus tonight. And I want you to verbally tell Him, verbally tell Him everything that's bothering you, the things that you need to release. So can we stand? For us to live a life of contentment, the first thing that we need to do is we actually need to accept Jesus into our hearts. There's no other thing, there's no job, there's no country, there's no government, there's no income, there's no person other than Jesus that can fill that void. And for some of you today, the next step that you need to take is actually starting your relationship with Jesus. Is actually receiving that contentment, receiving Jesus. Receiving His peace. Receiving His love. So in a few moments, I'm going to ask you, if that's you, just to pop up your hand with everyone's eyes closed. Just in this room right now, if you're in this room and you're saying, Isabella, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. I want to take that next step. If that's you, that you just want to pop your hand up. If that's you, I see that hand. That's that's you, you want to start your relationship with Jesus today. You might feel like you've drifted and today is the day where you want to come back to Him. You want to recommit your life. That's you. Come on. Awesome. We're going to pray together as a church family. Jesus, I accept You as my Lord and Saviour. Jesus, thank You that You died on the cross for my sins. Through this confession and this belief, the Bible says that I'm saved, that I'm changed, and that I'll never be the same. Thank you, Jesus. And all of God's precious children said, Amen. Awesome, guys.
Come on, let's thank Sabelo to show him some love. Great, great message. And just you can stay stand just for a moment. Just even what Sabelo pointed out in Ecclesiastes. Solomon says, all work, all striving that comes out of envy is like chasing after the wind. It's pointless. You gain nothing from it. So if, if you are living in that space, take the keys that Sabella shared today and, 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 and start to trust God because Paul said, I've learned to be content and through Christ I can do it. And if you are not living content, in Jesus' name you can. Through Christ you can start to live a content life. And um, yeah, thank you Jesus. If you responded, you might not have put your hand up, but you actually prayed that prayer that Sabella led you in. Um, if everyone can just look to my right over there, there's a door that's open there. We'll have men and women, prayer counselors. Um, your next step is to tell somebody. If you gave your life to Jesus, I encourage you to tell somebody and let them pray with you. Say, hey, I just gave my life to Jesus. I've come back to Jesus tonight. For anyone else who needs prayer, I encourage you to make your way there. For new people, I encourage you to use your voucher. You can get your first coffee as you walk out the door in the banner right in front of you. You can also get Connect to a View group there. And then Growth Track this Tuesday. It's your next step. You just need to show up at, at 6.30. We end at 8.30. Um, there is childcare available as well. So we'd love for you to take a next step with us. Have an awesome week. God bless you guys.